Welcome to the Backroads Podcast, a podcast for adventures off the beaten path. In this show, I want to empower women to reach their full potential and find strength within themselves, inspiring women to let their true selves shine, feel confident, and embrace the present moment. Through personal travel stories, we will share our growth and passion. Please tune in weekly for up-to-date confessions of like-minded travelers. As your host, I, Josie Arella Sweetman, will help guide you to gain clarity on your path to find what sets your soul on fire. If this podcast resonates and inspires you, hit the subscribe button and share it with a friend. Does goal planning feel like a mystery to you? I've got you. With my top five secrets to goal planning, this is what I use when I'm working on a goal. Right now, I'm using this system to build new habits and change my condition tendencies. It's worked for me and many others. I know it will get you feeling inspired to start taking baby steps towards the goals that you are working on. Here are what people who have signed up for the goal planning challenge are saying. Encouragement to challenge myself and go after my dream. I've changed my mindset and expectations that I have to go back to my old job for a few more months until I can start my new job. I'm finding ways to be excited about that, which is a huge victory compared to the way I was feeling just thinking about this for the last two months. Get my five secrets to goal planning at thebackroadscoaching.com. It's a freebie that I'll give you that will get you crushing your goals in no time. Hi, so nice to hear your voice. This is fun. Yes, thank you so much for being here and being a part of the show today. Yes. Um, if we can start off by you telling us a little bit about you. Are you married? Do you have kids? Oh, wow. No, I am single. I have been, let's see, divorced for about six and a half years officially. I do have two children, ages 21 and 19. I got started really early, which is part of my story of like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, having to constantly reinvent myself, you know, because that's what life is, right? It's about... Um, you know, learning how to pivot and adapt. Anyway, so yeah, I had kids. Um, I got married when I was, shoot, how old was I? 20. And by the time I turned 21, I was about three months pregnant. And so now my daughter is almost 22. So do the wow. math and that's how old I am. Actually, <laughs> I don't care. I'm 43. You know, I'm not one of those people that uh, get upset about telling their age. So I'm 43 and a half, by the way. Yes, girl. Say it loud. <laughs> say it proud. We are only as old as we feel. <laughs> you are gorgeous. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I earned I earned all this, you know, and uh, I, I would rather be 43 than 23 right now. I'll tell you that. Uh, I can understand that. I look back to at my younger age and I'm like, Josie, wow. I know. I'm glad you're like, still alive. I, oh my, yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I can say the same about myself. <laughs> I can say the same. But yeah, so I got married young. And, you know, part of the reason I got married so young was because of the religion I was brought up in. So I was raised LDS. Um, and if people don't know what that means, that's uh, everyone knows what a Mormon is. Um, so I was raised Mormon. And so that's just kind of what you did. You got married young and then you had kids because that's part of the plan that God has for you. Right. So that's, you know, one of the reasons I got married so young. And the other one was, was right before that, I, um, took a semester off college. I went to BYU actually in Utah and 
I deferred a semester and I became a cocktail waitress on a steamboat that went up and down the Mississippi River. So <laughs> um, there was a lot of life experiences there. And I came back and I just felt so bad about myself because I am engaged in what New Orleans had to offer. You know, that's where we were stationed. And I had a great time. But I came back to BYU and I felt pretty guilty. And, um, you know, the church sermons were weighing on me and I confessed all my sins to the bishop and I got promptly kicked out of BYU. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah, because I went against the honor code, right? So the honor code, you sign something and you say, I'm going to, I promise to not have premarital relations, not drink alcohol, not that, you know, all these little things. And I had broken all of those rules, you know. So anyway, so I got kicked out of BYU and I met this guy and he was strong and aggressive and um, sexy. And I thought, oh, he's going to save me, you know? So it really like helped fit that narrative that I was taught, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, so I jumped into that thinking, oh, I won't have to figure my own stuff out. Um, he's going to help me figure it out, you know, because the man's the leader, you know, that's how I was raised. So then it was, it became all about him and his plans. And I didn't have to worry about planning my life or, you know, doing anything like that. So crazy to even hear myself talk like this, <laughs> but, <I'm>, you know, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I feel like there's going to be so many people, including myself that can relate thinking yeah. that our partner is going to be the person that is going to make us happy. is going to fix all our problems. It's going to oh. do all the things that we need to do because I mean, we're, most of us are brought up, grown up that you get married, you have kids, you raise those mm -hmm. kids and mm -hmm. that's it. Was that a similar so, situation for you with your mom being from Haiti or, or were oh, you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And my friends and I know a lot of people that that's the narrative. Uh -huh. um, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. And so then like, you know, you just, I just followed him around. I followed him around his job. You know, he was in the military, you know, and he was an officer and um, his, um, you know, he got awards and they became my awards, right? Because I was like the doting wife. And, you know, it was just, you know, he got a job promotion once. He became a scout platoon leader. And um, the colonel's wife took me aside once. And she's like, um, he got that promotion because of you. And I was like, oh, what? You know, by the way, that I don't think that's very ethical, but that's just the way that some military people do it or any job and for that matter. But she was said, um, her husband looked at me and he said, any man that can handle her, he, you know, he, he's a good guy or something like that. <laughs> he can handle anything or something. And so, you know, he got promoted, but I took that as like a huge compliment. Like I'm going to get my husband, you know, to the top, you know, because of me, you know, that's how I felt it, but it was never about me. Well, you know, I guess maybe there was a little ego involved on my part, but <laughs> we're going to be honest, but you know, it was about his, um, accomplishments. Yeah, but that yeah. story, like I said, a lot of people can definitely relate to um, feeling that way and yeah. getting married young and um, having a daughter who is, what did you say, 22? She's almost 22 and my son is now 19. Yeah. 19. Yeah. So. And I'm only 43. So it's like I have like three more lives ahead of myself, I feel like. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> At least. <laughs> so what are your plans for those next chapters in life oh, sharing. Oh my gosh. What are my next plans? That's a great question. You know, my plan, I've been self-employed now for about five years and the plan is to stay self-employed. Um, I'm not a very good employee, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, I'll do what I need to do, but I, I seem to thrive better when I'm my own boss. 
And so that's the plan to stay doing that. And um, just to keep building my life coaching practice up. I've been a self-employed personal trainer. Um, I've been a personal trainer for about 10 years, but self-employed for about, what did I say, four or five years. So I'm going to keep that up. And, you know, to be honest, I really, and I sometimes I feel guilty saying this, and this is old programming talking. I know mm-hmm. this, but I want to share my light with the world. That's my future plan, you know, and I think a lot of us have gifts and some of them are more out in the open and some of them aren't, it, it doesn't matter. Right. But I think if you don't share your gift, whatever it may be, you're going to die slowly every little, every day, little by little. Yep. That fulfillment that you get from sharing that light, the fulfillment that you get from helping somebody else reach their full potential, I, there's nothing better. Mm-hmm. That feeling of like you help somebody reach the goals that they knew that, that they set for themselves that they knew they wanted to accomplish. Just, right. Well, because that's intrinsic, that. right? That's an internal thing. It's not like, oh, I got a car or, oh, I made this paycheck, right? Because that can all go away as we've seen with this um, pandemic going on, right? You know, a lot of Absolutely. us have lost money and, you know, things. And some of us are in danger of losing, you know, who knows what homes, cars, et cetera. Um, but you can't take away that, um, that stuff on the inside, right? When you're helping people or when you just know you've done a damn good job. So those, yeah, that's my goal is to keep doing it, you know, and there's all these beautiful quotes out there and uh, books out there that say like, if you actually um, don't share your gifts, you're actually doing a disservice to the world. Absolutely. That is what I've spent my, the last 90 days myself learning. I took a course online and during quarantine on what I'm made to do. And what I've learned is exactly, I want to be a lighthouse myself and help people reach Uh their dreams and Uh find out what their gifts are. Cause I do believe that we all have gifts. We all were put Uh on this earth for a purpose, for a reason. Uh And like Uh you said, if we're not out there sharing it, then we're doing ourselves and that person that we could be helping a disservice for sure. And it's kind of like, how dare you not share your gift? Like that's selfish, actually. Like, it's like, oh, like I'm not going to share my gift because I'm scared. Like, come on. Do it anyway. Yeah. Do it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I grew up on a ranch. I mean, I shouldn't be scared of anything, right? You know, bulls and, you know, mules and pigs and, you know, all that stuff. And was that in Utah? No, I grew up in um, Northern California. Actually, I was born in LA and raised in Northern California, right below Oregon. So I'm I'm kind of a, I don't know. A dichotomy. I'm a ranch girl at heart, but I love the big city. <laughs> so you got a little <laughs> bit of everything. Yeah, I love LA. That's where I moved um, from recently. Don't live in LA right now, but I would love to get back there. So that's part of my future plan too, probably. It's getting. I know and no one wants to go back to LA. It's funny I'm saying that, but somewhere beachy. How about that? Somewhere beachy. Yeah, that's the dream, isn't it? <laughs> it is for me. Someone it said I should move to Thailand. True. There's a lot of expats there. Yeah, Thailand's amazing. I um, was able to spend 30 days in Thailand and I fell in love. I would definitely go back one day. Uh huh. What What would you say about living there? Um, oh, I would definitely live in Thailand in a heartbeat. Oh, really? That place, huh. yeah, it was all about, all about, I mean, I called, I called Chiang Mai the, um, 
the city of temples. So there is monks walking. There is, I mean, the vibe is just so spiritual to me. The vibe was so, everybody was so helpful and open and Mm -hmm. so much laughter Mm -hmm. and the food. Oh my gosh, the food. Mm -hmm. I heard they're happy people. They're super beautiful, beautiful, happy people that go out of their way to help you. Mm -hmm. I have some crazy Thailand stories that were just, oh, so great. I've never been, but one of these days. So yeah, that's another future goal is to travel more. (laughs) Yes. I just live where I want to. Have the freedom to make a choice, you know? Yep. Being self-employed definitely helps you do that. And I think, yeah, I think that's an awesome goal of yours. Thank you. Absolutely. So as a life coach, you talked a little bit about wanting to share grit, resiliency. So what has been some ways that you have seen or have been able to help people get grit and courage and that resilience? Wow. You know, you know, I have to think about what are the qualities of a resilient person, right? And like, before we even talk about that, like, like it or not, like life's hard. Okay. <laughs> like, yes. And even when you think you've got it figured out, you don't. Then something's going to land in your lap, right? You know, every, everything was going great and then COVID 19 happened or whatever it is, you know? And so resiliency is essential for a life well lived. You have to have that quality, you know? And I think, like, the old school way to say what is resiliency, it's just, it's just called toughness, you know, <laughs> and the, the definition actually of resiliency is the um, capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, AKA tough, you know, yep. and that's about adapting. That's about pivoting. That's about all that stuff, you know, and how do we bounce back and how do we bounce back quickly from difficulties? And so, you know, I think the first thing you have to have is positivity. You have to have optimism. Resilient people are positive people. And it's been interesting watching my clients figure that part out. And the other thing, though, optimism, it's not for wimps. Optimism is for fighters. You know, it's not for people who accept life laying down. (laughs) You know, it just isn't. I read a quote that Hmm? said uh, optimism is like doing the cha-cha. You take one step forward, one step back. And it's just (laughs) it's honestly just a dance that you have to do with yourself. That is so true. I love that one step forward, one step back, because the problem with optimism is, it, or positivity, it's, it, I don't know if it's possible to be that way 100% of the time. It's just not, because we have this um, automatic thinking that takes over sometimes, right? Black and white thinking. We have old tapes, old program, distorted thinking, you know, cognitive dissonance. We have all these things, and it's like we have to monitor our automatic thoughts. Like mm-hmm. we have to be on it, you know, because um, if we're not, you know, that's where um, the pessimism sneaks in. That's where the old tapes sneak in is those automatic thoughts that we get in our head. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so like for me, an automatic thought, you know, if I'm going to share bluntly would be like, oh, let's see, what's an automatic thought? I've worked really hard on this. So I'm doing pretty well at this lately. An automatic thought will be, oh, I'll never find a romantic partner. You know, that would be an an automatic thought. Now, why would I think that? Well, because I have old programming in my head of divorce is bad. I should have stayed. Um, I'm not going to get blessings from my heavenly father anymore. You know, I'm too difficult. I'm unlovable. You know, those automatic thoughts that are just garbage. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So I think we have to become really conscious of our, um, those, those quick thoughts, those automatic thoughts that come into our brain, you know, because they can take us to a really dark place. And then before we know it, we're two bottles of wine in for a night, you know, (laughs) exactly, exactly. You have to have that awareness to stop it. Sometimes it is hard. Like you're saying, it's so hard. It's so hard, but like how you do it is like, okay, when I feel that thought coming in, I'm never going to find a romantic partner. Right. And when I feel that I have to take the time, like I have to like, stop, stop it, Catherine, you know, and then I have to reframe in the moment, like reframe that negative thought into something positive, you know, so that way I can build new neural pathways into my brain. Right. You know, when you have a positive thoughts thought, it's impossible to think of something negative. Did you know that? Yes, I have heard that. And I truly believe it. Yep. 100%. And all that. If we do that diligently, it's, it's, well, the theory is called neuroplasticity. And I don't even think it's a theory. I think it's proven. You can actually retrain your brain, you know? So this automatic thought of that I'm not lovable, you know, um, it's gone down. I'm really proud of myself. Two years ago, it was pretty strong. (laughs) You should be because it does. It takes repetitiveness. It takes practice. It takes that awareness. And you have to like stop yourself and question and ask like, is what I'm saying even true? And how can I prove it to be true? Like, and, honestly. And what's, yes. <laughs> and what's the point of this, of me repeating a negative thought to myself? Like, if you asked anyone that question, they'd be like, uh. Yeah, uh, exactly. There, we can't come up with a reason. Exactly. There's just no reason, you know. But, you know, it's it's really, it's, yeah, this whole resiliency, it's tough, you know. I mean, interchange, um, the kind the kind of interchange that transforms you you know, it requires consistent work, you know, daily, daily inventory. I mean, yeah. And you have to lean into that resistance, right? You know, to answer your question about resilience, you know, the other thing is besides positivity and optimism that go hand in hand, you know, we have to um, kind of embrace the pain. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Which is a bummer. <laughs> it is a bummer. We do. I used to say I was the queen of fake it till you make it. I was like, I'm not going to feel the pain. I'm just going to put a Band-Aid over it right. and be happy. And that served me for some time. It sure did. It works did. for a while. Absolutely. Yes. But it, it, mm-hmm. it's not until you heal and do the work. <laughs> well, it's a good coping mechanism. And as children, we have to do that sometimes, Right. You know, Absolutely. depending on if we're growing up with, around abuse or neglect or, or whatever it is, or bullying at school or just, you know, struggling with dyslexia or whatever it is as children, we develop really great coping mechanisms and they serve us really well because here we are today. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here, right? Exactly. But then the problem is as we get older, they become maladaptive coping mechanisms. Like they're doing us a bad thing and now, you know, they're doing us a bad yep. deal. Absolutely. No, and so like ignoring the pain, which you did, right? It worked, and and good, and you had to do it, right, in that moment. But then as we get older, the more we ignore the pain, the pain grows, right? Yes, it gets louder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, I used to numb my feelings with alcohol, right? Um, I was never like a binge eater or anything like that, but I used to love to shop and I used to love to drink. <laughs> You know, and it worked for a while. Absolutely. Until my life came crashing down. We need people, you know, we're tribal people. Absolutely. Uh, Connection, I think with COVID right now, connection has been like opened up and people have noticed how much they need it now because we're forced to not have it. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm hoping that when this is all over, that people are still talking on the phone, still doing those Zoom calls and still making time for their family. Because I think even though COVID was, I mean, awful situation, I think there was a silver lining. And that was we were able to spend that quality time Mm -hmm. with our family. Yeah, hopefully, you know, and for the people that didn't have that, that are just alone in their homes, you know, uh, I'm sure it's really easy to isolate and not reach out. And, you know, my heart goes out to them, you know, because that's when you just go into that spiral, you know, (laughs) spiral isolation and all of that. But, you know, um, you know, and if you're an introvert and, you know, a lot of people are, it takes guts to make a phone call, you know, it's really outside of an introvert's comfort zone to make a phone call or reach out, you know, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's where that courage comes in that I talk about, you know, it's not, it's not like things come easy for me. Like before this podcast, I was nervous. (laughs) I get crazy nervous (laughs) before any podcast I do. I get crazy nervous before a coaching call. Um, I feel it in my stomach. I sometimes want to throw up. My heart rate's elevated. I get sweaty. Um, so that's where courage comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm doing it anyways. That's what we got to do. And that's what I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate from this conversation that we're having is because there are people that I've asked to be on this podcast that are just like, oh, no, yeah. scary. I won't do it. And I'm like, but do it yeah. anyway. You're going to make your somebody's going to hear your story and it's going to light them up and it's going to make them feel like they yeah. can conquer because you did it. Yeah. Well, again, <laughs> it's about sharing your gifts, right? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and so like part of my story, I never really got to that. Um, I just started preaching from my pulpit. Sorry. <laughs> you know, was my life was being a wife and being a stay at home mom. And I was never quite satisfied. So I had my side projects, like I was an actor in LA and you know, and I did a couple of things and I started personal training, but my life was my husband and my kids and, and that's totally fine. But the problem with that is when the marriage crumbled, um, I didn't know who I was anymore because I wasn't a wife. And then I wasn't even a mom all the time because it was 50-50 custody, right? And then it was like, well, now what? You know, like I had to reinvent myself, you know, and I was in a new town a new place, a really horrible divorce. It was messy. It was somewhat public. Um, it was embarrassing and shameful, um, to me. Uh, and I had to figure out how to navigate that and how to hold my head up high when I walked into a room where I knew people didn't like me and I had to hold my head up high and act like a lady, no matter what, you know, it was tough, man. And then I had to build a business from the ground up. No friends, no family, no money in a new town. Brutal. But that's why I'm so passionate about grit and resiliency and courage. And then you got to give yourself that grace. You know, it's like, I know I did some things that took me a while to forgive myself for. And that's when that grace came in, right? Where I held my head up high, put my shoulders back, chin up, chest out, you know? And I acted like a lady no matter what, no matter what people were saying, that's what I did. You know? Yeah. You made a decision. Mm -hmm. It was really good advice I got from an older lady. I can't take credit for that. (laughs) (laughs) But again, that's that connection, right? You can't be resilient unless you have connections. Yes. You know, and so I built my business and everything was going great. And then I, um, uh, 
met this guy and oh my word, I fell for him and he fell for me immediately, which probably should have been a red flag uh, <laughs> because we were in love in four weeks, right? <laughs> you know, and um, it was funny because when I was with this guy, um, you know, he had money, he had the job, he had the looks, he had all of it. I thought to myself, I was like, oh, Catherine, this is why you had all those hardships is so you can meet him. You know, he was like my prize. <laughs> Sounds horrible, but I'm being honest. Like he was my trophy. And I was like, all of that led me to him. You know, and then, and I, I'm going to share this. I've never shared this publicly, but we were um, together and then my son got really sick. And he came down with a mental health um, disorder. Uh, my son has bipolar one disorder. And he came down with that. And the guy watched that go on for about two or three months. And then he said, peace out, yo. <laughs> so I had a very sick son um, who we ended up hospitalizing. I got broken up with. <laughs> oh, and then I hospitalized my son two weeks later. And then it was like Christmas. Oh, no, then it was my birthday. And then it was Christmas. My birthday's in November. And it was brutal. Brutal. You know? And again, this is why I'm passionate about those qualities, because those are some dark days. Yeah, those roadblocks. I mean, they come in our way, and we have to choose how we're going to get over them, how we're going to get through them. Mm-hmm. And the thing is about being a parent, you never imagine that as a future for your, one of your kids. You know, you just, you don't think of it. And, you know, he was like the golden boy, right? You know, 4.2 GPA, wow. you know, captain of the Democrats club, debate captain, soccer captain, wrestler. I mean, pretty girlfriend at school, a boy scout, you know, leader, all this, all this stuff. And then, you know, not his fault. One day it all came crashing down, right? Things changed overnight. And it's like, wow, like that's when you learn how to adapt, you know, and it's, and it's still a struggle watching him go through this. You know, it's not easy. Um, things will always be different. Things will never be the same. Um, what I thought my son was, he will never be again. And I've had to mourn that almost like a death, if that makes sense. Cause now I have a new son. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's fair. I've never shared this on Instagram or social media, but, um, he's said I could be open about it. So, um, but I think it's important to talk about mental health first of all, cause we never talk about it. And, Absolutely. And bipolar disorder, we never talk about the success stories because there's such a stigma on it that people won't say, oh, I have bipolar disorder. And you're like, what? But you're a successful lawyer. Like, you know, we think that people can't, you know, be successful yeah. and have it. We only hear about the uh, really sad stories of people with bipolar disorder, you know. But anyway, the point is, you know, things change and it's, you know. You can have life by the balls or you can think you do. And then guess what? It can be stripped from you in a second, you know, and COVID has shown us that as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story about your son. I know that took courage and I believe that it's going to help somebody. Somebody needs to hear that. That's why I'm talking about it. I mean, I haven't, you know, it was August, 2018. Gosh, what is it? May, 2020, almost a year and what, eight months it's been. And I haven't talked about it publicly. And, you know, I think I'm tired of not talking about it. <laughs> you know, and part of it, most most of it is to respect my son's wishes, of course. You know, right. um, but he's getting more comfortable with it. Um, he's starting to manage it better. And, um, but 
you know, I was like, like moms do, I was giving him a good lecture the other day and I'm sure it worked, right. Giving him a lecture, but (laughs) they always listen. Um, but you know, I was like, this is who you are now. And now it's up to you to find new strategies and new behaviors and new coping mechanisms, you know, which is what we all have to do when things fall apart. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And how is he doing now? You were saying he was, thank you for asking. It's sometimes up and down. Um, but right now he's doing really well. He's got, uh, got a, you know, a full-time job. He's done very well there. He's won some awards at his job. Um, he has friends, he has girls that are interested in him. You know, he's doing really well good. right now. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. But it, really it's, good. um, you know, it's a uh, psychiatrist appointments, it's therapy appointments, it's getting your seven to eight hours of sleep a night. It's exercise. It, basically everything that you and I should be doing, no matter what. People with bipolar disorder have to do. Otherwise, the consequences are grave. So, yeah, so he has to put in the work every day. Yep, every damn day. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But it's such a good reminder for me, though, because if this is what I'm preaching to my clients, I'm like, I watch my son and he's doing the work. And then the days that I don't feel like doing the work, I'm like, well, I have to because I have to be an example to him. And not only that, but I have to do it for myself. You know, because if I don't work out or get a good night's sleep or eat healthy, I'm going to feel crappy, you know, but if he doesn't for a couple of days in a row, his life could go off the rails a little bit. You know, that's where mania happens or, or depression happens, you know? And so uh, I don't know. I just, it's just something we all have to do. Yeah. We have to find the things that bring us joy. We have to find the things that's going to make us be active. We got to just search for those things that are going to make us live a life that we're proud of. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? A life that you're proud of. I love that you just said that. I love that. Um, you know, because there were times in my life, I don't think I was proud of myself, you know, Mm -hmm. when I was drinking too much and that kind of stuff. I was, I was, I, I didn't love looking at myself in the mirror, you know? Um, And that's something I want to have today is I want to like have dignity and self-respect, right? I think that's important. And I do that through all those qualities. Hmm? Yeah, I think that's important for all of us to want to look in the mirror and see somebody that we can say, you know what? I love who I'm becoming. I love who I am today and I am growing, but I'm okay with who I am and finding that acceptance. But you know what? I think sometimes to say I love who I am today, that might be too much at first. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a pie in the sky, right? I think it's good to say you can look yourself in the mirror, Jossie, and you can be like, I kept my promises today, mm-hmm. whatever the promise was. I made my bed today. I got up on time. I went to work. I didn't call in sick or whatever the promise is. I, I worked out or I drank a gallon of water or whatever it is. Then you can look yourself in the mirror and be like, I'm proud of myself for keeping a promise. And you do that enough days in a row and you string enough days in a row. And one day you might just be like, damn, I love myself. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, I, I mean, that's what I've been striving for. And that's what I've been preaching to my husband and just him saying those words in front of the mirror. Like I, he's gotten a routine that he is saying that he loves himself in front of the mirror. No. He's, and he has changed. I'm not going to lie. He is like night and day. And it is such an amazing growth that I've seen in him. He told me that he had never said that he loved himself ever, ever. Well, because, you know, it feels cheesy, right? It feels like inauthentic. And you're like, this Mm -hmm. is dumb. (laughs) Yeah, but you do it enough times and you look yourself in the eye and you see that you're showing up for yourself. You, 
you start to believe it. And yeah. I've seen so much changes in him from that little practice that we've been doing. Wow. And I am a believer. So I say, look in that mirror and say it until you believe it. <laughs> well, but you have to have the action though. You can't just mm-hmm. say it, right? Absolutely. You know, so I always thought mantras were cheesy. I was too, I don't know, just, I don't know if prideful is the right word. I just wasn't into it. That hippie dippy <laughs> stuff, you know, I more like, Absolutely. yeah, pedal to the metal and blah, blah, blah. And, um, but I was evidence. in so much pain, um, December. 2018, January, 2019, you know, so, you know, broke up November, 2018, hospitalized my son, December 18. And then my son was, didn't get out of bed for like three months after that. Cause he was so, you know, so depressed and I was in so much pain watching it. And then my heart was so broken. I mean, you know, the kind where you're on the floor crying, you can't get up or the kind where you go to sleep and then you wake up and for a second you think things are normal. And then all of a sudden you remember, and then you start crying if mm-hmm. you know, I think we've probably all been there in some ways, yep. you know, like a death in the family that usually brings us there or whatever. But for me, this breakup was just brutal for me. Um, anyway, so I became so desperate <laughs> that I did mantras, <laughs> that mm-hmm. I finally was like, okay, I'll do whatever it takes. And so I wrote this thing and it's still on my mirror. I should take a picture of it one day and put it on my Instagram. Yes. Um, and it. I wrote it in red lipstick. And I, it was, um, because I didn't know if I loved myself. So I couldn't say I love myself. I, I just couldn't do it. But I wrote, um, God, what did I write? Oh, it was, may I start to love myself in a way that allows me to connect to me. Mm-hmm. So That's in other beautiful. words, like do, do things that will make you love yourself or that makes mm-hmm. you proud of yourself. Because then if, uh, if you do the things that allow yourself to connect to who you are, then you start to get closer to your potential. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's crazy that you said you have in red lipstick that (laughs) message for yourself on your mirror. I have purple lipstick on my mirror that I am I am enough. (laughs) That is what I see. Yes. And it's purple, it's big. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you got to. And do you find that doing that mantra, even though at first you thought it was cheesy? Did you think that was impactful? Impactful Um, for you? At, well, first I didn't even say it. I just would glance at it while I was brushing my teeth. But it just, it kind of, kind of maybe by osmosis, it started to sink in, you know, just seeing it, even if I didn't say it, just seeing it on my mirror. I mean, I wrote it big, you know, honey. So it's like, it's not in a <laughs> cute little corner. And I, you, you know me, I have yeah, very bad handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, on the other side of the mirror, I wrote, may I love myself by taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. You know, because self-love, what is that? It, That's the question know, it's I taking think care a lot of people yourself. ask. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think like a lot how of people do I, ask that question. Yeah, people ask me all the time, like, how do I learn to like myself? Mm-hmm. How do I? And I'm like, well, what's the last promise you kept to yourself? Yes. And they're like, uh, you know, and that's what I had to do again back in December 2018. And I, you know, this is the funny thing, Jossie. I thought I had done the work after my divorce. I had done all that. So I was good, girl. Like I was done. I was, I didn't need to work on myself anymore. Right. And then I got my prize, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> this hot, this hot guy. Um, and my daughter was doing great and, you know, on the rugby team and going to school and a full-time job and supporting herself. And my son was the superstar of everything. And I was fit and in shape and hot. And I got the boyfriend. And so I was done working. I was good. <laughs> You know, and then it all comes crashing down again, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just funny. So yeah, I got so desperate. I wrote mantras in red lipstick and they're still there. 
I think that is magnificent. I absolutely love it. I did not always do mantras myself. Like you said, I thought it was all woo woo. I was right there with you, but I have seen the power of doing it until I believe it until I, I can do it and say it and not believe it. But after a while of doing it and you start seeing yourself show up differently. Yeah. But why do we, why do we resist the easiest things to make it better? That's it. (laughs) Well, I mean, honestly, like, like I have clients and I'm like, did you take a 10 minute walk today? You know what? That's not going to help. I'm like, well, but that's like me saying a mantra won't help. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) Because honestly, like what skin is it off my, you know, knees to say a mantra? Mm -hmm. Nothing. What is 10 minutes a day of taking a walk around the block? You don't even have to sweat. You just have to go outside and walk. Mm -hmm. But we know that works. Yeah. You know, endorphins, you know, dopamine, all of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think we're taught that it has to be hard for it to work. Yeah, yeah. I think we're always looking for these really complex answers because we like to think that we're so unique. And we're not. <laughs> I'm just going to no. let you know that right now. <laughs> we're you're human not, and yeah. No offense, Chelsea, but you're not that different than I am. Nope. And I think I'm not all- that different than you and anyone who's listening to this, but we think we're so different and you know, I'm so special because I have these problems and you don't get it. You know, (laughs) I'm like, Oh really? Let's talk. Let's go. (laughs) And then when you boil it all down, you're like, Oh, I guess this is the exact same thing. You know, there's this phrase that the 12 step program likes to use. And I love this phrase. It's called um, terminal uniqueness. So you think you're so unique, you're going to die from that. Wow. Yeah. There's so many times, yeah, people you try to help and they say, you just won't understand. There's no way you can help me. And it's so, it's so refreshing to hear this and for people to actually think about it. Like we're all human. We're all in this together, doing this thing called life the best we can. Yeah. And you don't have to die from feeling so alone and you don't, and even if you don't die from drug abuse or alcohol abuse, but like we talked about the beginning of uh, your podcast, you don't have to die by not shining your light slowly every day and live a miserable life because you think you're too unique to be something else. Oh, that's brutal, huh? (laughs) It is. It really is. I think doing it, doing it messy, doing it scared, doing it afraid, and just taking that courage, taking that courageous first step, whatever it is, just anything at all, those baby steps, they matter. It's the baby steps, you know, and I have a lot of clients like, well, how do you do it scared? And I'm like, okay, well, that's a great question. You know, how do you do it scared? Because there's no like button you push and you're like, oh, I did it scared. Yay. You know, you can't, (laughs) you know, that doesn't work, you know, as far as I know. You know, but it's basically like, like, how do you do it scared? I don't know. Let's see. And I usually stumble on this question because I'm like, I don't know. I guess you make a choice and then Mm -hmm. you make a little promise. And it's like, it's like what I talked about earlier. It's that promise of I'm going to make my bed today. And then you make your bed and you do that seven days in a row and you start to trust yourself. Yeah. So once you start to trust yourself by little tiny promises, then you can start making a little bit bigger promise and a little bit bigger. And then before you know it, you're giving a, you know, a talk in front of women 
you know, and you're on a podcast and you're doing stuff, you know. Yes, and you're doing it with your palms sweaty, with your heart yeah. it, well, I, it's my it's my armpits. I don't get <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I get out. Okay. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I do yeah, too. Yeah. I'm a I'm a pitter outer. So <laughs> thank goodness Not I don't alone. have the sweaty palms or like sweaty forehead. Gosh. Um so I just have to make sure I wear a certain shirt that wouldn't show it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I think yeah. when you start to feel that, what how fear arises for you, when you start to feel that, ask taking a moment to ask yourself, is this fear going to serve me mm-hmm. in a positive way mm-hmm. or is it holding me back? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is it's holding you back, then just do it scared. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, you're going to be so proud of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, you know, a personal trainer client, like some some come in very deconditioned, extremely deconditioned. And I literally had them sit on a bench and stand up and then sit back down and stand up and sit back down. And they are having a brutal time, you know, if you know, if you're obese or whatever, it's very hard. Or if you have knee pain, you know, and I hold their hands and they do it and they go, I can't do this. I can't do this. You know, they're very scared. And then they do it. And you should see the look on their faces, you know, they're just like, wow, I didn't know I could do that. Yes. Yes. It's that beaming. You You just feel so good. Mm -hmm. And yeah, part of it is like, is this holding me back or helping me? And then, you know, the other question is like, is this fear or is this a fact? Okay, let's break it down. If it's a fact, then let's talk about it because sometimes Mm -hmm. fear is a real thing, you know? Yes. Um, If it's not a fact. Let's break that down too. You know, and I like to ask my clients this question and myself this question, like when I was nervous to come on today, um, like feelings of unworthiness, right? Like who am I to be in a podcast or who am I to get into good shape or who am I to have a better paying job, right? The unworthy stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, instead of saying that, it's like, ask yourself the question. And this is where you reframe it, which is how you become, where we talked about optimism. So how you, do you reframe the negative? Instead of saying, who am I to, you know, fill in the blank, it's like, well, how good could this get? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. And why not me? Mm-hmm. Why not? That's my favorite. Yeah. I want to learn to I say know. that in all languages. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, I've never, I just started thinking about that like a couple months ago. Like, how good could this get, Catherine, if you keep doing this? And I'm like, when I think about that, I'm like, wow, like actually mm-hmm. my imagination goes crazy. And I'm thinking I, I could give a TED talk, you know, yes. I, could, I could live in Bali or Thailand. I could, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, when you Absolutely. think about how good can this get, your brain opens up as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, contract. The opposite. Absolutely. And open up is what we need. We need to be open and we need to be ready to receive. And it takes work to receive the good. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately there's, you know, there's a lot of trauma in our lives. And, and I think that's something that we have to really talk about. Um, and people don't want to talk about it. And yeah, they it's think, hard. and it's like what you said, just fake it, fake it, fake it. But if you've had trauma in your life and trauma doesn't have to mean, um, my dad beat me up or I got molested by my uncle. That's not trauma. You know, it is trauma. Excuse me. That is very much traumatic. <laughs> But you don't have to just have that to experience trauma in your life. You know, I I heard this definition once that trauma is like when anything happens outside your control and it scares you. Absolutely. 
Anything that happens outside your control, that scares you. And I recently had a conversation on this podcast uh, to a woman that was talking about the inner child and how when we're young, even the things that don't aren't meant to hurt us, just by seeing something that does make you feel afraid, something that doesn't make you feel comfortable, that is enough to program your mind to think that behavior is bad just because you were afraid. So yes, trauma is just something that scares you. Yeah. And so that's where I think this, you know, thing of um, his feelings of unworthiness come from or our cognitive distortions, old tapes that say we're not good enough. Like I wasn't good enough because I got divorced. Where'd that come from? You know, it's like, and then, you know, after a while I get to decide what tapes I want to keep in my head and what I don't, but I can only do that if I also talk about my trauma because I can't fake it till I make it anymore because then it, turned into drinking and then it turned into, you know, uh, bluntly speaking, too much sex with people I don't really know, or it turned into, you know, all those sorts of things, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Stuffing it never works. It works for a while. No, but it works for, for a while. <laughs> yep, it will serve you until <laughs> until you know better. It serves yeah, you until <laughs> I think it comes out in your thirties where it blows up in your face. Yeah, that must like, be oh, it. <laughs> yeah, there's some, I think you can get away with it in your 20s. That's but... it. Yep, that's it. That's what happens. Yep. Right? Wouldn't you say so? Like, when did yeah. you realize it wasn't working honestly, for you anymore? Oh, honestly, I think it was. Like, when I turned 30, my whole life has changed. Like, I, yeah, I made this amazing, oh, mm-hmm. for my 30th, I turned 30 in Bali, Indonesia. And that was, like, my mission. And doing that and conquering that fear, I was able to look back and think all those times that I didn't do the thing I wanted to do because I was scared. Mm-hmm. And now look at me doing one thing that I'm scared of and it's Just changed Just the one me. little thing. And that and was going to Bali? Me. Yeah. And it changed me for the So what the were better. you so scared about going to Bali? I'm curious. Just leaving the country by oh, myself. Okay. Just okay. Um, do leaving my husband behind when all my friends oh, are staying. You were married when my, and you went by yourself. Yeah, I was engaged, about to be married, but everybody was just so judgmental and saying, Girl, like, you can't do this what alone. Are you doing? Traveling yes. without your man. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you so must you be doing that because you want to cheat on him. <laughs> exactly. All those things. Yes, all oh those things. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so there was a point that was like, well, maybe I, this is wrong. And if I would have listened to that, those people and that voice in my head, I wouldn't be where I am today. I know that for a fact. So I want to ask you, like, what would the cost have been had you not gone to Bali and you gave into the, oh my gosh, my friends and family are right. I can't leave my man behind. What would, what would that have cost you? Um, me and Austin would probably not be as happy as we are today because I would have put it on him. I would have put it on him. I would have made him think that it was his fault that I didn't go. And that wouldn't do yeah. good for us at all. That so would you be would have, so awful. You would have grown resentful of him. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. That makes so, a lot yeah. of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think I grew resentful of my ex-husband as well. You know? And that's not necessarily his fault. That's probably mostly on me. <laughs> you know? But, you know, listening to those old programs of don't leave your man or, you know, got to be this good, whatever it was, right? Exactly. Whenever you are playing small for somebody else, it doesn't feel so good. No, it really doesn't. Yeah. You know, what's this? I think it's um, Glennon, Glennon, oh, what's her name? Glennon Doyle. You know what I'm talking about, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Glendora yeah. Menon. She's uh, she just wrote a book called Untamed. Oh, I, I heard about the book. Yes, yes. I should know her name. Oh, I listened says, to her talk yeah, the other so day. So you know who she is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she has this thing that says, um, the best thing a woman can do is just to be herself, right? And then the other thing she says is when we free ourselves, we free everyone else around us. Oh, absolutely. That's so, so by true. you going to Bali, you freed yourself. Uh-huh. I sure And did. then what was that trickle effect? It's been amazing. I have gone into life coaching. I have gone to have the spiritual awakening where I know myself and I'm knowing my worth. And I want everybody to feel that way. I want to help everybody be feel like they're enough and be happy in their own skin. And if I didn't do that, I I don't know if this would be a happening for me today. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And it's like you by you going to Bali, you freed yourself. Even though that was a s- small thing, although quite mm-hmm. large, it was a small step. <laughs> yes. Um, in a sense, maybe it freed your husband too. I think that's true. I've never even thought of it that way, but I can see that. Yeah. Cause like, you know, when we're ourselves, our authentic selves, then everyone else can kind of relax around us Yeah, and then they can be themselves. Yep. Absolutely. That's so true. I love that. That outlook, that perspective is so good. Yeah, as opposed to feeling selfish, you know, like, oh, I went to Bali. It's like, no, I I gave myself permission to have an experience without him. Mm -hmm. And now he has permission to have experiences that fill his soul as well. Absolutely. And yeah, and we were each other's cheerleaders now Mm -hmm. because of it. Yeah, and you don't want to be with a soulless man and he doesn't want to be with a soulless woman, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. 100%. I would assume. you. You have to be you and you have to do the things that light you up. You have to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that Bali story though. It's so (laughs) cool. uh, It was uh, quite an adventure. It brought me, it brought me back to me in a sense. (laughs) I don't know if that's, if that's a thing that people say it brings you back to you, but it literally made me start to trust myself and listen to myself and I'd get lost, but somehow I'd find my way. And I mean, you just had to learn to take care of I had to learn to take care of myself and nobody else because, is going to do it. Because again, like we talked about how do you become an optimistic person? You monitor your automatic thoughts. Your automatic thought was don't go to Bali. <laughs> but because you monitored that and you said, hey, knock it off, you know, that's where you've got, you know, um, permission to step into your true potential. Mm-hmm. Optimism takes you to your potential. Absolutely. And so that's why even you're like, I don't know how it changed my life, but it did. It's because it was that, you know, that simple, really. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I know. I know. People <laughs> overcomplicate. But again, it's like going back to the, like, it has to be complicated. Actually, yes, no, it, it has doesn't. to be hard. Yeah, actually. It hard. Yeah, it doesn't have to be that hard. Just go to Bali. No. Yep. <laughs> or follow your curiosity, whatever that is for you. It doesn't have to be Bali. Like for me, I don't know what how that came up, but it did. That was what it was for me. But I think everybody should just follow what they're curious about. They need to follow what sparks that little bit of joy or that little bit of interest and just keep Mm -hmm. following it. And eventually it will be the Mm -hmm. thing that shows you Mm -hmm. what you want to see, what you're trying to get. And Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I never went to Bali, but I did a few bodybuilding shows and (laughs) that was was scary. (laughs) Yeah. That's not easy. That's not easy at all. That's discipline. I did that right after my divorce and it was because 
I didn't know what else to do. First of all, <laughs> I was like I said, new town, no money, no friends, no nothing. And I just started working out. And then someone was like, "Hey, you've got a pretty good bones, like a good you know physique in general." You know, uh, thank you, mom and dad. If if you start working <laughs> hard, you could put you know do something with that. And I was like, "Huh." And it was funny because for years I'd always wanted to, but I didn't think I could because I didn't have the time. And I didn't have, you know, the, the, whatever it was, the discipline, I didn't have that. But, you know, again, harnessing the power of optimism and reframing instead of being like, oh, I'm so sad I'm divorced. I was like, well, optimism to reframe that thought is, well, now I've got time to be a bodybuilder, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this dream I always wanted, you know, but I just never thought I could. I, didn't th- I just didn't think I was disciplined enough. I didn't think I, I guess was worthy enough to step on stage in a string bikini and a couple rhinestones, you know, like I just, you know, I, I just thought that was for really fit people. It wasn't for me, you know, and, um, I only did two shows and, you know, I did take some home, some trophies. Um, but it, it wasn't the trophies that made the difference. It was the hard work up to the shows that changed my life. It wasn't the show necessarily, you know, absolutely. It takes so much. I mean, discipline, that's the word I can oh. think of for doing something like that is you have to be so regimented. Yeah, which is resilience right there. Yes. Because when you're tired, you still get all that treadmill. When you're tired, Absolutely. you still make your food. When you're tired, you still have to pack your food in the Tupperwares and put it in the cooler and bring it to work with you. Like it doesn't matter. You do it no matter what. Yep. And, you create those habits for yourself, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, you know, hard. I don't know if I'll ever do it again, <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate the lessons and I love having the photos and I like, you know, and my kids were so proud of me. Mm. that's that's something I can't ever yeah that felt so yeah I bet that felt amazing yeah it really did it really did there was the first show I didn't um play or once yeah I didn't place and um my son texted me and he was like how'd you do today mom and I was like oh I I you know I didn't I was two uh, placings away from getting a trophy and he was like oh I'm sorry and then he sent me a text and I'll never forget it. it it was like I know you worked really hard and I don't care that you didn't get a trophy because, um, he said, what did he say? He goes, because I'll always be incredibly proud to call you my mom. Oh, heartwarming. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, our kids need to see us do hard things. Mm-hmm. We always expect our kids to do the hard stuff. And then as parents, we just start coasting by not setting new goals, just working nine to five, punching the clock, watching Dateline at night. But we're yelling at our kids to do this, do that, do this. It's like, well, what are you doing, mom? What are you doing, dad? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. You know, somebody needed to hear that. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, I mean, I, I see these parents, you know, when my kids were younger and they're sitting on the bleachers and you can tell they're not in good health. Okay. And they're screaming at their kids to run faster. Mm -hmm. They're screaming at the kids to try harder. And why'd you give up on the ball? And why'd you let that? And I'm looking at these parents going, when's the last time you did anything hard? When, you know, what, like, honestly, absolutely. (laughs) We have to leave by example. Yeah. That might be a little controversial what I just said, but at the same time, it's like, you want your kids to work hard? You better effing show up and you better work hard, you know? And right now my son is in the other room probably sweating to death because I turned off the AC because <laughs> <and laughs> I didn't want the fan. But he knows how hard this is for me and how much actually, and also how much joy I get from it. So it's not just hard. I do it because I get joy. Um, 
But I can see he's looking at me again with that sense of pride that he had when I was doing a bodybuilding show. Does that make sense? Yes, that's so good. You're giving him like permission to try- do hard things. You're Because guess what? He okay. has to do hard things the rest of his life now. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get a choice. That's true. Yeah, it's pretty unfair, but it's the way it is. But yep. I Absolutely. Oh, I appreciate you being so open. Thank you. This conversation. Thank you for making this me conversation. Feel safe. Oh, that's so good to hear. You, Thank have, a, you. you have a wonderful voice. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> how can You're our guest? How can our guests connect with you further? I know people are definitely going to want to reach out because your story oh. is inspiring. Website: catavery.com. Perfect, and we will definitely put that in the show notes. And, and then you I have, have an, an Instagram. Instagram. Yes. Yeah, this one's a little more difficult. This is when I was doing my bodybuilding days, um, but I just never changed the handle because it's part of who I am. Um, it's Kathy Fit. So K-A-T-H-A. So Kathy for Avery and then Fit, F-I-T. Perfect. Kathy Fit. You can find me there or on my website. And then for my website, you can email me. Same with Instagram. You can email me. And then I'm also on Facebook under Katherine Avery. Perfect. Do you have any last comments that you'd like to share? Um, as far as the feelings of unworthiness, I think there's three questions to ask is one, is this story true? And then what evidence, like what evidence do you have to prove that story? You know, and then you have to learn how to grieve and process the pain of that story. And then that's where that resiliency and grit comes, you know, beautiful. You move through it, move through it. It's worth it. Trust me. It's it's worth it. Optimism is for fighters, for people who don't want to take life lying down, because I know I don't want to. Yes. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. I'm so happy. Hello there, friends. Welcome back to the Backroads Podcast, where we talk about living life fearlessly off the beaten path. Today with me, I have Catherine Avery on the podcast. She is a life coach, and she is all about resiliency, courage, grit, and grace. And I am so excited to have her with us today. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Thank you for listening to the Backroads Podcast with Josie Aurelis Wheatman. If you like our show, leave us a review. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast. Join us next week where we will talk about more adventures and passion, growth, and resilience. Thank you for tuning in.